For they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had. The poor widow this morning approaches the treasury, the place where all the tithes for the temple and offerings for the sacrifices were collected, and she's unknown to everyone around her. Unlike the scribes, who are well-known figures in the temple, very popular, this poor widow humbly passes through the crowds unnoticed. But there's something that arises in every gospel. It's this, that Jesus always recognizes when faith is present. We see countless times he'll say to somebody, Go, your faith has saved you. Even that powerful moment when everyone's touching him, he's in a big crowd, he says, Who touched me? Because the woman touched his garment with faith. The same is here today. He can feel it. He can sense it. And so let's imagine the scene for just a moment. They're in this busy, busy temple. People are everywhere. And Jesus is watching everyone go to the treasury. But this poor widow catches his attention. Faith is present. She deposits her last two coins that she owns But she doesn't walk away sad. She doesn't walk away saying, well, I had to do it. She walks away in confidence. Why? Because it's not just an act of faith that she shows. It's an act of stewardship. Now, if I were to ask you, what does it mean to be a good steward? you'd probably reply with an answer like this. Stewardship is using wisely what you've been given. That's true. However, I think that's part two of stewardship. What's part one? I think part one of stewardship, true stewardship, is knowing where what you have been given came from. Part one is from whom, knowing from whom you have received such blessings. The woman in our gospel today, the poor widow, knew that God was the very reason she had anything at all, even her two last coins. She knew that God was her provider. God was the one from whom all blessings flow. And this poor widow is exalted above all those around her who are giving much, much larger sums than she. They are giving out of their surplus. Or maybe I can put it this way. They are giving God their leftovers, whereas she is giving God her best. This woman of very low standing in Jewish society is a prime example of how to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and how to give God your best, not just your leftovers. In the Jewish religion, there was a law that upon harvest time, one was expected to give what they called first fruits. The first fruits are literally what they say. Your first fruits of your harvest, the first and the best of your crops. To put it simply, when harvest time came and they started collecting everything, one was expected to bring to the temple their best and their first crop. 
It was supposed to be a visible sign that they recognized from whom they had received this. And they trusted God with everything. Because think about it for a moment. Their first crops, their best they give over to God. What if a famine hit? They'd have nothing. What if a storm blew by? They would have nothing. Nothing was promised them. But this beautiful act was an act of faith. My brothers and sisters, I think this gospel passage for us has many implications and practical applications. However, I think two are important and relevant for us. The first is this. Discipleship. Our shepherd, Bishop Lewis Kinnaman, and our true shepherd, Jesus, over and over and over calls us to renew our discipleship. But our brothers and sisters, it's not just discipleship. It's intentional discipleship. It means that every facet of your life is being ordered to how you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's the awareness that discipleship takes everything, our whole life, nothing less, it's all or nothing. Intentional discipleship. But I think for us to truly grasp the idea of intentional discipleship, we have to look at that through the eyes and lens of stewardship. Let's not forget that to be a good steward, as I mentioned earlier, is always first recognizing from whom all good things come. And then and only then do we really have the motivation, the desire to take what we've been given and give it the greatest care, to use it wisely. I'm sure all of us do this in regular life. We have something that our grandma, our mom gave us, or maybe that's something that's been in the family for years and years and years. And when people ask us about it, It has no use to us, but they ask, why do you have that? So-and-so gave it to me. You see, it's primarily in knowing from whom you received it. Do you then in turn use it wisely and take care of it? And so with that understanding of stewardship, the more and more we recognize that our very existence Our very life on this earth is a total gift to you and to me. Are we moved to use it wisely and not waste it? And then on top of that, the more and more we recognize that God does not just give us life, but in our baptism gave us new life in Christ. A new life that gives us a fulfillment, a hope, a faith, a love. It's then and only then we recognize that. Or we moved further to be an intentional disciple of Jesus Christ. If discipleship is not seen through the eyes of stewardship or brothers and sisters, we're missing a crucial part of it. Because if we recognize that Jesus gave it all, as we see on the cross, everything of his life for us, it's only then we're moved to give him everything. In other words, when we look at something like that, we see that someone gave their best and not just their leftovers. And so we too are moved 
to give our best to God and not just our leftovers. And so I ask you, how are you giving God your best? Are you giving your best time of the day to prayer? Are you giving your best effort, your best attentiveness at Mass? Are you giving your best gifts and talents and serving others and evangelizing with a missionary heart? To be a good steward is to be a good disciple. And to be a good disciple is to be a good steward. The second relevant practical application, which is often a sensitive issue, is how we approach being a disciple with our finances. And before you say, here goes Father talking about money, let's be reminded that it's Jesus himself, Jesus himself, in the words that I just proclaimed, who exalts and commends this poor widow, not for her prayer, not for her service and charity, not for her good deed to another brother or sister, but he highlights this woman for her time. So, I'm just taking the lead from Jesus. Back then, even today, my brothers and sisters, I think we're tempted, always, we're always tempted with this, to find an earthly means to keep us secure, to keep us safe, to be our refuge, even while at the same time we say with our lips, God, I trust you with everything. But then our actions show, well, not just everything. This poor widow, my brothers and sisters, is a mirror pointing back to us to truly see if we mean the words we speak to God. To mean that every facet of our life, from our prayer to our paycheck, is entrusted in discipleship and stewardship to God. God is the very reason for the blessings we have. Do we not put that on social media? Hashtag blessed. And we recognize this. We're moved to give God our best. I'm not naive, and I understand that many struggle financially. I'm not insensitive to that. I encounter many, many people who struggle with this, and I understand, I speak from my understanding. But I offer this simple reflection for you this morning. Does how you tie reveal the way in which you approach discipleship? Maybe I can ask it like this. Does the way you give reflect whether you give God your best or you give Him your leftovers? The biblical 10% from the harvest, you could say, or in our terms, off the top of the income. Not our extra crops, not 10% of what's left over, but 10% of our best is what we call our first fruits. Our first fruits. Our brothers and sisters, in a very real way, the way we give financially reveals how much trust we put in God. Is money not in this life our security? It is. And so when we give the best, we prove the words that we say, I love you, God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. For the power of love is deed.
Unless we forget that our scriptures not only challenge us, but, my brothers and sisters, they assure us this morning. We go to our first reading. The widow and her son are about to die because of a famine. And she tells the prophet Elijah, when he asks for something to eat, look, we're about to eat our last meal and we're about to die. What does Elijah do? Make me a cake. Sounds quite insensitive. But he's inviting her to faith with a promise. Let's not forget this. With a promise that God will provide. And as the story goes, her supply of oil and flour, what happens to it? It never runs dry. Never. Our brothers and sisters, when we're generous with God, He accepts the challenge. And He's never outdone in generosity. And He's calling us to be intentional disciples. To be filled with faith and to be good stewards. It's God who has provided for us. He deserves our best. And so whether it be with your life or with your paycheck, we must ask the question, It's not about whether we should give more or whether the church needs it. It's about answering this question. Are we giving God our best? Are we giving Him our leftovers? And as for God, He doesn't lose in the game of generosity.